everybody. Welcome to the Gathering Springfield podcast. My name is Josh Gunner. Thank you so much for joining us in today's episode as we continue to talk about the glorious return of Jesus Christ. All of season one, we have focused on eschatology, which is the study about Christ's return, the last days, what the world's going to look like before Christ comes back, and then the events at Christ's return and what follows. Once again, let's ask the Father to give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches through the Scriptures. Here we are again. It's a new Wednesday, a new episode in the podcast. Thanks for joining me as we walk together through the book of Revelation. Before I get into it, I always like to remind you that the study of Christ's return and the last days is a vital part of the gospel message. In it, we see the final chapters of the gospel story. Christ's return is a part of the gospel, and we cannot reject it. We cannot run away from it. It's something that we should actually run towards in our study of Scripture and gain revelation as we look at what Jesus and the apostles had to say about what the world's going to look like in that day. We're going to be walking in that generation. What is our responsibility and what our hope is in Christ as we await for him? The book of Revelation is also the only book that specifically says that you are blessed for reading and hearing and agreeing with the words of this prophecy. So it's something that if the word itself tells us to study and that there's a blessing, we should do it. If you're a church leader, I want to encourage you Get in the book of Revelation, study the teachings of Jesus and his apostles about the last days and what the world's going to look like because it is so important as messengers and leaders in the body of Christ to equip the saints to walk through what Jesus very specifically taught and, and our responsibility in it. Let's not be lazy with this message. If you haven't been able to go back and listen to other episodes, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. They build on each other. You can use season one as maybe a study with your friends, maybe a church group getting together and, and walking through the New Testament teachings of eschatology. I highly encourage you to do that. We've started with the Gospels and now we are finally in the book of Revelation. In today's episode, we We're in Revelation chapter 8 and 9. What we see here in these chapters are seven trumpets, heavenly trumpets being blown. And as each trumpet is blown, a judgment is poured out on the earth. We're going to read through that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to teach it. A quick recap from last week. Last week, we read Revelation chapter 6 and 7, where John was revealed the seven seals uh, on the scroll that Christ received. When each scroll is open, certain events take place here on earth. And then in chapter 7, we see God's supernatural protection on the 144 sealed. We talked about that last week. Not going to go back into it, but uh, essentially, God's supernatural protection over his covenant people while these things are taking place, a lot like the Israelites during the plagues of Egypt, how they were supernaturally protected by God from the plagues. And again, in the last days, when he pours out judgments on the earth, his people will once again be protected during that time. All right, Revelation chapter 8, let's get into it. Verse 1 says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So we walked through the first six seals last week, and now we're talking about that seventh and final seal that is on the scroll that Jesus was handed, that he's the only one who had authority to take, to receive the scroll, to open the seals. And now he's opening the seventh seal. And remember, each time the seal is opened, that's a prophetic decree that events are going to be released on earth. Well, now that seventh seal is being opened, 
And when that seventh seal was open, there was silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So there are these seven angels before the throne of God, and whenever that seventh seal was open, they were handed trumpets. Verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with a fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That's Revelation 8, verses 1 through 5. This chapter, the the trumpet judgments, this is the second chronological section that describes the events that are released as judgments against those that are not sealed with the seal of God. Some people don't believe that the trumpets are chronological and follow the seal, something that they're they're just these prophetic symbolic images that explain the same events or same things or the way things happen in Christian history. Historic premillennialism, for the most part, teaches that these are chronological, and the reason being is because it's the seventh seal. It describes these six seals. They take place. Then at the seventh seal, there's nothing significant that happens at the seventh seal except the release of the angels with the seven trumpets. From the scriptures we read, it seems very obvious that these are chronological sections that the seals take place and then the trumpets are released after that. These seven trumpets, the second chronological section of Revelation, are the things that are being released on the earth with that angelic trumpet sound. Trumpets in scripture and throughout history uh, have been markers for certain uh, declarations in war. It would give direction to soldiers or it would give direction as to what the battle command was. Much like that, these trumpets are releasing certain commands and giving direction on the earth with these angelic beings, with judgments, so on and so forth. As these angels blow their trumpets, it seemed like the angels mentioned in chapter 7 who were specifically charged not to harm the earth until after the servants of God are sealed. Whenever these trumpets are released, they're no longer restricted from releasing the winds of God's judgment. So verse 1, silence is in heaven at the opening of the seventh seal, and angels are commissioned with these seven trumpets to go out and at their appointed time to blow the trumpet and release judgment on the earth. Verses 2 through 4, as these angels readied themselves to blow their trumpets, another angel approached the altar, and it says that he had a golden censer, and he offered up incense with the prayers of the saints. The Bible tells us that our prayers are being stored as incense before the throne of God. It speaks of the great prayers that are being cried out, poured out from the saints on earth during the tribulation, during the last days. I believe that there's going to be a huge prayer movement in the last days as uh, the tension of the world increases and the birth pangs increase and intensify. There's going to be great prayer uh, across the earth from the saints during this time. And it says that an angel pours those prayers out before the throne of God as as an incense. And it burns before the throne of God. And then God responds to that prayer with these trumpet judgments. The verse 5, the fire that burned from the incense of the prayers of the saints, it develops into this severe response from heaven. Here's what I mean. It says, verse 5, the angel took the censer, filled it with a fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. There are peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes, 
flashes of lightning and earthquake. So the prayers that were before the Lord are put on the altar and it creates this incense burning and then it's thrown on the earth as a great fire. It speaks to God's response to the prayers of the saints crying out for mercy and help, deliverance from the Lord. And then he turns just like in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus where he tells Moses, I have heard the prayers and the cries of my people. And he responds. He is going to respond to the severe persecution and the severe tribulation that the saints are going through with severe judgment on the Antichrist, like Pharaoh, and his followers, the rest of the Egyptians, so to speak. It is a very obvious prophetic picture and foreshadow or parallel of events that are going to take place in the last days. A lot of people like to say that God's not the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and I like to argue that he most certainly is. He is going to judge the earth again. He is going to send plagues on the earth again. It's in his nature. It's what we see. He does it to restore and to redeem his followers, his covenant people, back to himself to save them. All right, now starting in verse 6, the seven angels are preparing to release the trumpet sounds. Uh, and a quick side note, if you remember earlier in season one, we talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 52, and then again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16, Paul speaks about the last trumpet. And Paul said, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise, and then we who are left will be gathered together in the air. There's significance when Paul says, at the last trumpet. What trumpet? What last trumpet is he talking about? He's talking about the seven trumpets of Revelation. There's only two sections of scripture that talk about chronological trumpets being released. One of them is in Joshua chapter 6, whenever Israel would march around the walls of Jericho. And I want, and there's significance to this because there's some prophetic parallel uh, and foreshadowing here of the last day trumpets. But the seventh trumpet, they would march around the city, they would blow the trumpet, and then the next day they would go, they'd march around the city in Joshua chapter 6. The priest would blow the trumpet, and they did this for seven days. And on the seventh day, after marching seven times around, they blow the trumpet. And at the sound of the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet sound, the enemy's walls were broken down, and the enemy was defeated. Paul obviously wasn't talking about those chronological trumpets, but was speaking to the trumpets of God, the last days, whenever he says, at the last trumpet, then the dead are going to be raised, and then we who are left are going to be raptured to Christ. He's speaking of these trumpets. So when's the rapture? The end of the trumpets, the last trumpet to be sound. It's the only other chronological section of trumpets. So when Paul says the last trumpet, this is what he's talking about. The trumpet judgments have three purposes. One, to hinder the Antichrist empire by destroying his natural resources. Two, to warn unbelievers of increased judgment that is to come in the seven bowls. The message of God's people during this time is going to help uh, warning unbelievers. And then the third reason is to rally the saints to gather for global prayer. As the saints see the events of the last trumpets, it's going to call his people to pray, to call on his name, and to preach the gospel. Also in the trumpet judgments and also the bow judgments, there's a lot of parallel with the ten plagues of Egypt. If you read back in Exodus chapter 7 through 12, then Revelation 8 and 9, and then later on you read about the bowls of God's wrath. Uh, a few of these, the first trumpet releases hell and fire. Well, the plague, there was uh, the seventh plague in Egypt, there was hell and fire. At the third trumpet, the rivers are turned to blood. Well, the first plague of Exodus 
the Nile River and the waters turned to blood. Trumpet four, there's going to be darkness. Plague nine, there was darkness. Trumpet five, there's going to be these demonic locusts released to torment people. Well, in plague eight, in Exodus, there were natural locusts that tormented people. In the sixth trumpet, there's widespread death on the earth. And again, on the tenth plague in Egypt, there is widespread death. There, see, do you see the parallels? Some people will read the trumpets and say, that's not God's nature. God's not going to do that. He's not going to literally turn waters into blood. That's just prophetic symbolism. He's not going to literally send hell down with fire. He's not going to literally send demonic locusts. He's not going to literally allow widespread death as if it's not in his nature, but it's actually exactly in his nature to release these plagues in order to turn people to repentance and also to save his covenant people out of tribulation. It is definitely in God's nature to do this, and he's going to do it again. So here, let's go ahead and read through these judgments, these seven trumpet judgments. Like Pharaoh, these judgments are judgments against the Antichrist and his followers, just like the the plagues were judgments on Pharaoh and his followers. The first four judgments destroy natural resources of the Antichrist empire, uh, affecting areas of the environment. We see trees and grass, seas and rivers and even the sky all being affected. We see food supply like vegetation, meat and fish. We see those things being destroyed. We see the trade in the sea. Uh, we see water supply, even light uh, being disturbed and, and heat being affected. The purpose here is to destroy the sources that support life yet without directly killing people. Then the following two trumpets are intensified in that they directly afflict humans with demonic torment and the result of it is the death of one-third of the human race. These things are to be taken literally. This isn't just symbolism of the spiritual warfare that takes place in a Christian's life, all right? So let's read what's going to happen before Christ returns on the earth, because these seven trumpets are events that take place, they're chronological events that take place before Christ returns. Here we are, verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hell and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So in the last days, the final chapters of human histories, now remember, whenever that first trumpet is blown, we're no more than a few years away from the very final day of human history where Christ returns to the earth. So this first angel blows his trumpet. The second angel blows his trumpet, verse 8, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. John doesn't know what he sees here, but what he does see, it's something like a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea, and it says that a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. That's the second judgment that Christ pours out on the earth. It affects the seas and the sea trade. It says that the ships were destroyed. Global trade is going to be affected uh, by this catastrophic event. The seas are going to become blood. Creatures in the sea are going to die. Then verse 10, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood, 
That word means bitter. And a third of the waters became wormwood or bitter. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter or poisonous, you could say. So the first trumpet, a supernatural event like a meteor storm with hell and fire burns up trees and grass, vegetation. The second trumpet in verses 8 and 9 was like a large burning object like a mountain that falls from heaven into the sea, resulting in the destruction of food supply and sea trade. Uh, the sea may exclusively refer to the Mediterranean Sea. We don't know that. Uh, then verses 10 and 11, the third trumpet, a meteor-like mass called wormwood, meaning bitter, falls from the sky and causes a third of the fresh water. When it says the rivers and the springs of water, it's talking about a third of the fresh water resources on earth were poisoned and turned to wormwood or bitter. And it caused people to die. It says many people died because they drank this poisonous water or this bitter water. Then verse 12, we see the fourth angel blowing his trumpet. And it says that a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. This is where people start having a hard time believing that these things are going to literally happen, but it's not unlike God to do these catastrophic events, uh, and, and, and I would say pretty extravagant things, in order to reveal his glory and to judge wickedness and to save his people. So in this fourth trumpet, he's going to diminish the light and the heat, which is obviously going to affect agriculture, navigation, the seasons, the natural things of this earth, the natural ways of life are going to be shaken by cosmic events, even in the heavenly places affecting the stars, the moon, and the sun. And then after this fourth trumpet, John looks up and he says, I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. What John sees here are these first trumpets being blown, these first four trumpets, and then this angelic cry is giving a warning. He warns, he gives these three woes. He says, woe, which is a, a warning. And he's saying that those who dwell on earth, those who are at earth at this time, he's giving a warning out saying that the next judgments, the next three trumpets are going to be severe. So those first four trumpets were obviously bad, but the next trumpets are going to actually increase in their intensity and severity on the earth, which takes us into chapter 9, which talks about the fifth and the sixth trumpet judgments. During these trumpet blasts, these demonic locusts come, they, they torment for five months, and these demonic horsemen, they kill a third of the earth. God will give permission to Satan to torment and kill a percentage of mankind during the fifth and the sixth trumpet blast, which is why that angelic warning was like, it's about to increase and things are about to happen. I believe God's people, they're going to know prophetically and through the Spirit that these next judgments are going to be more severe. And I believe that the gospel, the message to follow Christ and submit to Christ, that message is going to increase on the earth and that there's going to be this warning across the globe that Christ's judgments are coming and many are going to refuse the warnings and they're going to refuse to repent and follow the Lordship of Christ, and they're going to have to suffer the consequences of that. We see that again in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, whenever Moses and Aaron, they would come and they would warn Pharaoh, these things are happening, things would intensify, and Pharaoh would harden his heart. He would refuse to repent. And although these things were happening all around, human nature 
even though these horrible consequences of sin and rebellion against God are all around, they will still refuse to repent of their idolatry, refuse to repent of their sin. And because of that, the more intense judgments are going to be released. Chapter 9, verse 1 says, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. This star uh, being uh, an angel, someone in the heavenly host, given a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and also uh, in the book of Jude, verse 6, it talks about angels that are bound in the pit until the day of judgment. Now, I don't know that those are the angels that's being talked about here in Revelation, but it makes sense that with these other apostles talking about uh, the angels that are bound in the bottomless pit, and then now John says, I see this moment where this fifth angel blows this trumpet. The, the pit is opened, and these, there were these certain angels that were bound in chains. They're released to torment mankind. Uh, a lot of people believe that those angels that Peter and uh, is talked about in Peter and in Jude, they believe that these are those angels. Again, we'll find out someday. <laughs> but it says that the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and then the, the bottomless pit was open. Verse 2, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then the smoke from the locusts came on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. Again, a lot of people will read this and say, that's fantasy. That's too far-fetched. There's no way that actual demonic locusts are going to come and torment people. And my only question is, why is that so hard to believe? Why is it so hard to believe that God would release demonic angels to torment people? Considering, you look at the Old Testament, he sent his death angel. These are demonic fallen angels who are tormenting, not God's people, but they're tormenting the followers of the Antichrist. They're following those who reject Christ and the gospel. It's not outside of God's character. And as much as we try to stretch it and act as if it is, it's not. Look, he says in verse 4, They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Some people like to say that these scorpions are helicopters or some kind of natural man-made weapon. And John just sees it in like a spiritual aspect, and he doesn't know how to describe what he saw, so he describes these locust-like things. Only thing is, John says these locusts came out of the pit of hell. They were these living angels that were bound in chains, and they were released to torment the followers of the Antichrist or those who were not sealed with the seal of God. And then he starts to give the appearance. And you be honest with me. As I read this, does this sound like a helicopter? Does this sound like a missile or a tank? It says, verse 7, In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair were like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have 
tails that sting like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek it is Apollyon. Abaddon means literally translated destruction, and Apollyon literally translated means destroyer. So these angels, these demonic beings, these fallen angels, have been kept in prison until the destined time to release God's judgment. Again, 2 Peter 2, 4 and Jude verse 6. The smoke caused the sun and the air to be darkened, and then these demonic locusts arose from the pit. Again, he used natural locusts in uh, Exodus. These are these living creatures, these demonic fallen angels, these fa- the demonic locusts. They arose from the pit. They were given authority to harm those who didn't have the seal of God on them. They didn't harm any of the natural resources, but they tormented people that refused to serve Christ, and they followed the Antichrist. It says that they desire death, but they weren't even they weren't able to find death. Many desired to die, but they weren't able to die during this season of torment. Verses 7 through 11 give some pretty specific detail to the description of the appearance of these demonic powers. And as we read these, we see almost a satanic hierarchy, uh, which includes the, a demonic king named Abaddon or Apollyon, which is the destroyer. It's a, it's a evil spirit that leads a demonic host or a demonic, almost like a demonic military group. The natural man sometimes has a hard time understanding this. If you read scripture, God does this same thing. We read about Michael leading a host, a military-like host of angels in warfare. We see that structure in scripture where there are military-like hosts, uh, military-like angels. And then we also see it uh, from the demonic aspect of things. The Apostle Paul said that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, cosmic powers and authority in this present age. He's talking about these demonic powers and entities on the earth. And now here we see that some of those demonic entities and powers, uh, the destroyer, this fallen demonic angel, Abaddon or Apollyon called the destroyer is leading these demonic beings to torment people at the fifth trumpet. Verse 12 says, the first woe has passed. Behold, there are still two woes to come. The last three trumpets are going to be severe. The first of the three severe trumpets were the demonic beings tormenting those who were not sealed with God. And now there are two more to go. Chapter 9 doesn't speak about the seventh one. We'll talk about that next week. Here uh, we have the sixth trumpet, verse 13. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, Look, there is a very specific day, month, and year. There's a very specific time of human history where God is going to release these angels to judge the earth. It kind of sounds crazy to the natural, logical thinker who has a hard time accepting that there are spiritual things taking place in this natural earth, considering we can't easily see into the spirit side of things. But the scriptures say that somewhere around the river Euphrates, there are these these fallen or demonic angels that are bound and kept in chains until a very specific day, a very specific month, and a very specific year, and then they're going to be released. 
and it's at the sixth trumpet, the last day trumpets. At the sixth trumpet, those angels are going to be released at a specific time. And it says that what they're going to do is they're going to kill a third of mankind. It says that the number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. So essentially 10,000 times 10,000 times two. You're looking at 200 million troops here. Again, I don't think these are natural. I believe that they are spiritual demonic beings. It says the number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000 or 200 million. I heard their number and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. So a third of mankind at the sixth trumpet is going to be killed by these demonic beings that are bound at the river Euphrates. There's going to be a specific time in history shortly before Christ returns. Remember, Christ returns at the last trumpet, which would be the seventh trumpet, and this is the sixth trumpet. So right before Jesus returns, there's going to be these demonic entities, these demonic beings that are going to go out and literally kill a third of mankind. For all of this just to be prophetic symbolism and it's not actually going to happen, John gives some pretty specific details and some pretty specific time frames. He says that after this trumpet blast and after they kill a third of mankind, verse 20, it says, the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their theft. What he's saying is that even though these severe judgments are being poured out on the earth and God's people, the, the covenant people, are sealed, they're protected, and all these things are taking place, they still don't repent. People say, well, that's hard to believe. But if you read scripture, it's happened before in history. Remember what happened in Exodus. The plagues would come, God's people was protected, and Pharaoh first hardened his own heart, and then later he was given over to a debased mind, and it says that God hardened his heart. And so these followers of Antichrist, those who refuse to honor Jesus Christ in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all these judgment that's going to be poured out, they're going to refuse to repent, just like Pharaoh refused to repent. I also try to remind us every episode is that the book of Revelation shouldn't be considered some scary book. The book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. It's not about the tribulation. It's not about the plagues and the demonic powers and all the crazy things that's going to take place. The focus isn't a third of humanity dying, waters being turned to blood, meteor-like stars falling to the earth. It's not about those things. The book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ and his lordship, how he is going to redeem mankind, how he is going to judge sin in the last days, and how he returns, and what he is going to do at his return. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that God the Father gave him to give to John to give to the church. And now we are the church 
to receive this revelation of Christ and his plan, his battle plan, before he returns and what he's going to do in the last days right before he comes back and what the world's going to look like. And yes, it has the details about the Antichrist, about catastrophic events, about a third of mankind dying and certain events taking place, but it was given to us as a forewarning, given to us as a something that we prepare our hearts and our spirit for. And whenever these things start taking place, we can go back to the scripture, whether we are holding the Bible or not, but we can look back at what he has already given us and say, this was prophesied by John. God gave this revelation to John who gave it to us. Just like whenever Peter was in the day of Pentecost and he started to prophesy, this is what the Joel spoke about. And then he, he starts to prophesy when he saw the events. He said, this is obviously that. These things are going to take place and we're going to look back and say, this has been prophesied. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is returning. So get ready. As much as I hate to say it, that's all the time that we have for today. I would love to keep going. I simply can't uh, because of the time frame that we, we have here. That's Revelation 8 and 9, which speaks of the last seal to be opened, which releases the seven trumpets. And then we got through the first six trumpets, which are angelic trumpet blasts that release judgments on the earth. And then in next week's episode, we'll read what happens at the seventh trumpet. Uh, next week, we'll start with Revelation 10 and 11. Uh, before we get to that seventh trumpet, uh, John's given some detail and some revelation and some greater clarity of the trumpets. And we're, we'll, we'll get to that next week. Dive deep into the book of Revelation and see what the Spirit is saying to us. Dive deep into it, not to scare us, not to cause us to have anxiety or our blood pressure to raise, but it's actually meant so that our faith will increase, that we will submit better to the Lordship of Christ and follow Him in everything that we do. He's a good leader, so let's follow His leadership. Let's pray. Holy Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Revelation. I thank you that this book has not been given to us to confuse us. It hasn't been given to scare us, but it's been given to us so that our faith may increase and that our, our life may be prepared to walk through the end of the age submitted to your lordship and your kingdom. I pray that the church would never lose this message. Even if we're not the church generation that's going to see these events take place, I pray that we wouldn't neglect passing on these truths to the next generation and, and to start thinking more generationally, preparing the bride of Christ for your return, that we would remain faithful and wise in every season of human history. Until you return, Lord, we are going to prepare the way with the message that you've handed to us through the scriptures. We love you. We honor you. We cry out, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. We hasten to, we look forward to the day when you return to save your people and to deliver the kingdom in fullness to the Father. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.